welcome, welcome everyone to the Potentiation Podcast. Thank you for joining in and listening. Always starting every episode with gratitude. I'm your host, Fran Kalinske. And let me give you a little bit of background on myself and why I decided to start this podcast. This is my third go at it, but it's my first time doing it by myself. And the reason I'm doing it by myself is because I've had so many instances in the past where I wanted to start a podcast and I didn't know really what I wanted it to be about. Not only did I not know what I wanted it to be about, but I also didn't know where it was going to go and how it was going to get there with the supporting cast that I had. Instances in the past where I just couldn't get schedules to align with the people I wanted to talk to, the people I wanted to do the podcast with, and now it's easier than ever to interview people because everybody's got at least a little bit of free time. And so today on our episode, the very first inaugural episode of the podcast, I have my good friend Dave Solano, one of my best friends. And you might be saying, well, friend, your first episode of your podcast is one of your best friends. It's such an easy thing to do. Yeah, it is an easy thing to do. But we're going to take a deep dive into this podcast. It's about me. I'm a, I'm a personal trainer and a journalist. But this podcast isn't just about breaking news. It's not just about fitness. I want to kind of combine those two realms. And I want to talk about the human experience, how health and well-being tie into each and every individual that I interview and their lives. Right. I really want to discuss nuances that come with these people being who they are. And Dave is a unique subject because he moved down to Miami on his own about two years ago now. I think it just passed his two-year anniversary. And what's so special about Dave is that he's seen every up and down you could probably see as somebody who just leaves their hometown and goes somewhere completely new. And a lot of this stuff, you know, even though I'm talking to my best friend, he wouldn't say to any old average Joe. So I'm going to give you some tidbits and some new stuff, some new perspectives from somebody who's taken life by the horns and really just created a new beginning for himself down in Southern Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Solano on the Potentiation Podcast, Episode 1. Enjoy. Welcome to Episode 1 of the Potentiation Podcast. Wow, I'm excited. I got my boy Dave Solano here. I got like six interviews lined up for the next two weeks, so I'm hyped as hell. I'm going back to New York next week. There's just a lot of cool shit going on. And I don't know, silver lining about quarantine is that you can find the time to start up something like this and you have all the time in the world to do it. So why not? Why not do it? Anyway, this is episode one of the Potentiation Podcast. My guest today, Dave Solano, is one of my best friends. Also, someone who I played college basketball with. He's also somebody who I have a lot of respect for because he did something that I did when I went to college, which is just up and moved to a totally different area and just kind of like was a fish out of water for a little while. But Dave, I'll leave it to you. Uh, give me a little bit about, or tell it for those of you who are listening who don't know who Dave is. Dave, tell us about yourself. All right. Well, first of all, I can't believe I'm on episode one. That's pretty awesome. Second of all, congrats for starting this. It's very fitting that I'm on episode one since we've started some endeavors in the past together. Right. So that's really awesome. Happy right. to be on here. As far as me, just a little background. I grew up in New York my whole life in southern Westchester. Played basketball my whole life. I went to City College in New York where I met Fran. Played for about, I'd say about three years together. Yeah. Or four years together overall. Yeah. And then after I graduated, I moved to South Florida, and here I am. Big into fitness, big into basketball. 
I work in the restaurant industry though right now. Uh, hope not a long term thing, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Maybe maybe owning a restaurant in the future someday. We, we were talking about that, but I don't know. It's definitely something I still think about. I love the restaurant, just the whole lifestyle of it. Yeah. Like there is after so long of working in the restaurant business, you really get to see how there's really two sides of it there's people that know how to go out to eat and there's people that don't yeah it's really fun taking care of people that really know how to go out to eat and enjoy themselves and really have a good night and i actually really truly enjoy taking care of people that are there to have a good time because that's what i love to do as well i love to go out to eat i love doing stuff like that so hell yeah um so for those of us who are fortunate enough to follow you on IG, we'll occasionally see like what's going on in your life. Only every so often though. And I think that's kind of why when we met, what really set the tone for both of us is not just that we played ball together, we both shared the same interests, but I could get the sense from you that you cared a lot about your own business. You're, you're private, but you're also about moving in silence, which I think is like really, really a secret to a lot of people's success. Talk about like why that is like what made you want to be closed off and just like you know take months at a time sometimes to isolate yourself and 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 just grind well that's a lo- that's a it's a pretty loaded answer i'm gonna have to give but say just from a very young age i was always taught i was i was raised in kind of like that old school conservative italian family where everything was just kind of like you keep it between your closest friends and your family Um, so I, I would definitely credit a little bit of it to just the way I was raised where I just don't really like a lot of people knowing my business and my personal life. And a lot of people felt that way as well. I think a lot more people would still feel that way if it wasn't for social media that gives us such easy access to tell everyone what we do or what we decide to tell everyone that we do. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I think it's just for me, I, I like having my business to myself because I feel like when too many people know what you're doing or you speak too much about what you're doing it kind of devalues what you're doing and i think that could go for mostly anything as far as the social media specifically i was when i first moved here and like the trailing parts of my time at city college in new york i was heavy on social media i was posting a lot i mean yeah it's miami you gotta show that shit off yeah (laughs) yeah it was uh it was fun and i really i really did enjoy it i did enjoy posting a lot in the social media life at first but the more i was on it the more i kind of um wasn't really feeling the energy um i do believe that there are a lot of sincere people on social media but i also believe there's a lot of people that show fake love and that just repost things and comment on things for their own good and I felt as if there was a good amount of the love and the positivity that I was getting that was not as genuine as I as I would have liked it to be yeah um, yeah and I think once you, I think I think sorry to cut you off but I feel like when you realize that you don't miss it as much right like there there would be the times I remember when I used to be on social media way more than I am now. And there would be those days where it's like, I try to give it up for a few days and then I would just not be able to resist at least just opening up the app once just to see what somebody is talking about. But when you take that into perspective, the fact that not everybody really cares about what you're doing, maybe they throw you a like here and there, but it's not really the love that you get face to face. You don't, you don't really crave it. Like you kind of lose that hunger for attention and whatever else social media brings. 
Well, spe- speaking on that, it's, I, I actually, it's interesting to me too because I used to be the guy that cared so much about it and, and would take it personal if, if somebody unfollowed me or said something or whatever. But now I'm like on the total opposite side of that because like just the other day I, I unfollowed so many people. I went down to like around a hundred yeah. of people to follow, and it's never anything from my end. It's never anything personal. Like I, I literally right now I only follow like my closest friends, my yeah. family, and like whatever. There's like a bunch of national park pages that I follow and shit like that. Yeah. But I don't think it's really it's it shouldn't be offensive that I just don't want to have to see every part of your daily life right right you ever get that dm that's just like why'd you unfollow me bro like what's the matter like are we still friends it's like yeah man i just don't give a shit about what you have to say anymore so yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, by the way no filter on this podcast so say what you gotta say yeah it's uh no filter so anyway actually that actually kind of brings me into the next point that i wanted to talk about which was your decision to get out of your space and you know to the point of not really telling people what you're doing and and what's going on. So many people I remember personally asked you about the move to Florida, why it happened. And I I remember you not really feeling obligated to give people the full reason why. And I don't expect you to to do that here either because I kind of already know the answers. But talk about what it was like, like those first few, because it's been what, two years now, right? Yeah, two years this month. Yeah. What were those first few weeks, maybe those first few months I visited you, but obviously I don't know the whole story. What were those first few weeks like? What when did the feeling of wow I'm in a new place and that like excited upbeat feeling kinda go away? And when did the oh shit, this is real life feeling set in? Pretty it it, it set in pretty quickly I would say because I went down there with a certain amount in savings and within a matter of like the first month I was just I totally depleted my savings. My initial plan was to only come down here for the summer because the how it worked out was that my uncle owns a town home down here that he's saving for retirement or he might flip it or rent it out someday but it's vacant so i asked him if i could stay there for the summer um just to give a little backstory what happened was at the end of the summer i realized that i didn't want to go back to the cold and the new york life i wanted to stay and experience florida for the winter the first few weeks were great. I know, I think you came in like the second month, yeah. in like July or August. Yeah. Um, and that was still pretty early on for me. And it, it was it was tough for me because I had several of my friends visit me. And deep down, it was like, I really want these people here. But I had nothing. Like, aside from the fact that, yes, my uncle, like, it's a blessing that he let me stay at his house. And I would have figured it out and still made the move had he not had this house. I just probably would have had to go about it differently. Yeah. It was kind of weird for me because my friends were here and I wanted to have fun and I wanted to do all this stuff and act like I wasn't stressed, but I was stressed. Oh, I yeah. was stressed. Wait, so let's backtrack for a sec because you told me that you planned to move down there and just stay, but your uncle for a little while was under the impression that you might eventually go back. Like when did, when did the bomb drop of, yeah, I'm going to stay. Like, how did that go about? I remember asking him, it was Christmas Eve at my cousin's house, the Christmas Eve right before that summer when I moved. And I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, you could stay there for the summer. I was like, listen, like I'll pay your electric bills. I'll give you the money to cover the expenses. Yeah. Whatever that, you know, me staying there. Um, he was like, yeah, that's cool. And, and, uh, and then he actually was pretty cool about it. I like, I have so much respect. Like me and him have actually built such a close relationship from me living here. Um, 
like a really close relationship, especially because him and my dad are brothers and they're very close. Um, but he wasn't so much surprised as, uh, as I thought I, I was kind of nervous to tell him, but he was pretty open to it. Um, yeah. he, he always liked the idea of having someone at the house, um, that he trusts and knows so that, you know, I can get the mail, I can keep the house clean. I can prevent anything from happening or whatever worst case scenario shit can happen. Right. Um, but then it did get to a point where he really, you know, he wanted me to get my own spot. So I had to figure things out, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, he was pretty cool about it. So when you were in that phase of like, you had kind of like depleted the bank account, you were maybe in kind of, would you say you were in kind of in panic mode or like how many backup plans did you have? And like, were you ever worried like, Oh shit, what if I reach my line's end with my plans? Yeah, I mean, my initial plan was coming down here. I got a job. Before I moved, I got a job at Equinox yeah. um, as a personal trainer. And it was the one in Aventura. And uh, so I started working there within a matter of a week and a half or two weeks. Um, and I just did not have the experience that I was hoping for, that I was thinking of when I was like, oh, I'm going to move to Florida and be a trainer. And, and it just wasn't the experience. I, I mean, little things like the fact that the gym had no windows in it yeah. was like, I felt like I was just like, this is not what I imagined when I imagined living in South Florida right. and I want to be out in the sun and like, so uh, things like that. But um, it kind of got to a point where I realized I was only making minimum wage in Florida. The minimum wage is still eight fifty or, or something. Yeah. Um, so I was only making minimum wage and I didn't have any clients. So I wasn't, I wasn't getting paid. And the summers here are pretty slow because nobody wants to be here when it's so hot. Everyone just goes back North. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just came to a crossroads where I was like, okay, I have no money. The job isn't really working out. Um, so I was like, you know what? The only other industry I know where I can make good money in South Florida is the restaurant, the hospitality business. So I went and got a job as a server at the casino by my uncle's house. And yeah. it turns out that I wasn't making anything there either. Yeah. Um, I was barely scraping like a hundred dollars a night, which I don't know if any of you listeners have served tables as a living. That's not a lot. Yeah. So, uh, it, um, I kind of just actually heard my coworker mention one day that she was going to get a job down in Miami as a server at this fine dining steakhouse, a super nice place. And I just threw in a little word and I was like, Hey, do you, do you, are they looking for more people? Like, this is my scenario. Yeah. If yeah. I don't get a better job, I'm going to have to move back. And you know, it was just, my back was just up against the wall. Right. Um, and it wound up working out. I worked there for the last year and a half until the other day. So nice. Where was it, um, that you had like an experience that kind of threw you like, even when you felt safe and secure, uh, has there been anything since that's like thrown you off balance or thrown you a curveball where you're like, whoa, I got to adjust or, or like pivot totally aside from, you know, COVID obviously. Yeah. Well, I would say, I would say the biggest thing since I finally had gotten that job at that restaurant, True Lux, and I was making a good living and I was able to get my own apartment. I would say the biggest thing has been the quarantine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, like there's really, I mean, it's obvious, but it's just so true. It, it 
it, it made me really realize that because I was never the greatest with money. And then when I, before I moved down here, I actually had paid off like half my credit cards. Like I was doing really well. Then yeah. I moved and I kind of just went right back to where I was. Yeah. Um, so I just started being smart again with my money right before the virus, like this last winter. And I was saving a lot and I was really doing well. I wasn't going out and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, then the virus hit and I realized I was like, it's a good thing I started, but I still started too late. I, I need to be more financially prepared. And, and the whole time, the first month when I wasn't getting that unemployment or the stimulus or anything, the whole time I was just thinking like, am I really like, am I going to have to move back to New York? Yeah, I feel that I, I hear the honesty in that because. I think you speak for a lot of like servers and people in the restaurant industry where there like was a lot of uncertainty like am I going to have to completely get a, a different job after this? Real quick for the listeners, name off your high profile list of people you served at, at uh, True Lux. Oh wow, I took care of uh, John Wall, I took care of him, I uh, took care of I took care of a few porn stars. Not that might not be PG on here, but I mean, I hey, that's a, a that's where that. a lot of them live. That's, <laughs> uh, um, I took film, care I of Martin Lawrence. Nice. Martin Lawrence uh, twice in one week. Actually, I took care of uh, the entire 49ers team during the Super Bowl this past year. Yeah, and I took care of uh, Trey Songs. Hell yeah! During during the Super Bowl too. That was pretty fun. Hell yeah! yeah. That's sick. I mean, <laughs> that beats my list. My the the only guy on my list that I've of people that I've served famously is Billy Joel, and he asked oh, for an order of big clams at a Long Island restaurant, and I was yeah. disappointed. He, I mean, he's a chill guy. Like he's not the type of guy you could tell he's got the aura that if you walked up to him and were like, "Can I have your autograph?" He'd fucking be like, "Get the fuck out of my face!" But um, <laughs> he tipped me like a measly 15 bucks way more than he should have for a baked order of baked clams for some reason he tipped my cousin 75 bucks and i to this day don't know why what my cousin did that was better than me other than just deliver the fucking plate out to the to the table so uh, anyway i mean yeah i i think that there's so many uh people right now too who are just kind of confused about like how we're gonna move forward with this and mainly with their own work like i don't think it's bad right now to to think selfishly about where am i going to be working in the next three four months myself included when we go back to your like where you grew up you know up or not upstate but westchester in that area and how it kind of shaped you what what about that area prepared you for this moment of your life where you're like totally on your own what was it about your area of westchester or east chester i should say that that made you like ready for this if you could put it into words i would say it, it has more so to do with like the i guess the experiences i had as a kid yeah not so much like where it was I mean, initially, I grew up in Mount Vernon, which is where my grandparents are from the Bronx. They're from Arthur Avenue. Yeah. And then they moved up to Yonkers and Mount Vernon to get out of the Bronx, the city taxes and stuff. They moved right up to Mount Vernon. So I grew up initially in Mount Vernon. Like, that's where my dad and my mom went to high school and shit. And then I moved to East Chester when I was in third grade. So that already was a huge transition for me because if any of you know Mount Vernon and East Chester, they're two totally different sides of town. Yeah. Demographically, uh, just everything is just totally, totally different. More potholes um, in the street and fucking. It, it kind of, 
threw me into a whirlwind because I was used to being around like a, a heavy Hispanic and African-American culture. And then I moved to East Chester, which is all white and Italian. It was, it was very different. And that might sound weird for people like, wait, why, why would it be weird for you to move to a whiter town? Like, I like how people think, but it's just the fact that I, I literally, I absorbed my initial setting as a child and I moved to a place that was completely different in every sense of the word. That I think in itself gave me that first initial thought of like, I kind of have to be out here on my own and, and figure things out for myself because I didn't know anyone. I was like, someone as like the weird kid, the weird white kid trying to be ghetto. That was like my thing as a kid. And it was like very alienating for me. Yeah. So yeah, I guess things like that yeah. would definitely play a role. So in growing up in, in Mount Vernon, you know, that's like, you know, the, the, the cultural stuff behind where that is you you do have to acknowledge and i'm sure like little kids at that at that age don't know better when they call you like the ghetto white kid but like they don't know that you growing up in that area kind of instilled that in you when you're growing up it, it's easy to get mad at it but looking back at it now it's like well you know how many kids are actually going to realize like from your yeah. perspective how how you grew up yeah. but growing up in mount vernon were you exposed to a lot of like basketball and pickup games and stuff like that? Because obviously you're, you're still probably very passionate about the game as just as when I met you, like talk about when the love for hoops came in. I think you've told me before that sometimes it wasn't always basketball that you chased, but there was definitely a vehicle in your life. So like, tell me about like what, what it was that drew you to basketball. Actually, uh, it's funny because it in Mount Vernon, when I was first growing up, baseball was what I played. Yeah. So like my dad, my dad was a pitcher from Mount Vernon High School, and he was really good. He got recruited by right out of high school to get drafted. He never did, but he never went to college, so it never panned out for him. But he, so he always, I grew up with him. I was the athletic one out of me and my brother. Baseball was like the thing for me to start, and I was actually really good at it. I was really good at baseball. And I really enjoyed it, but it got to a point where when I moved to Eastchester, I started playing EIBL, which is like the local town league for elementary school and stuff. And I was so much bigger than everyone already. And I was just able to dominate. And it was just so, it was just fun. It was just really fun. So I, I just started really enjoying it because I was able to excel at it and from such a young age. And baseball was always right next to it too. I, I would argue today that I probably could have went further with baseball than I could have with basketball if I stuck it out yeah. instead and chose baseball. I, I really enjoyed playing baseball, but, but yeah, basketball became the ultimatum, the ultimate choice for me. Yeah. There's not a lot of, cause we talk about hoops a lot, a lot. We talk about like just hoops in general, the old games we used to play, but there's not a lot of coaches I've, I've ever heard you like reference that made a significant impact. I know as far as people you look look up to a lot of it is within your own family and then you know obviously the occasional uh celebrity idol whether that's someone like kobe bryant but did you ever have a basketball coach that left an impact on you that you were like wow like if i didn't meet this guy basketball would have been significantly different for me yeah definitely i think um the first guy that comes to mind is uh this is actually pretty wild Rashamel Jones, he was the point guard or the shooting guard for the 99 UConn championship team. He played with Rip Hamilton and Ray Allen. And he 
and he was nice. And he was he's in the video when they win, and he's running on the court with the ball with his finger up. He worked out of Hooperstown, which is in Mount Vernon. Yeah. Initially, when I started playing travel leagues, I started playing in Mount Vernon. I would use my grandmother's address, and I would play in like their summer camp and in their some of their tournaments. Sorry, where was I going with that? I just got distracted. You were going um, uh, to tournaments in Mount Vernon and how you met Rashamel Jones. So I played for this team called the Hooperstown Huskies, and Rashamel was the coach. And at first, he coached the 14 team and the 17 under team. So I was on the 14 and under team, but I was playing really well. And the thing was is that that was the summer after my freshman year of high school when I played varsity for the first time. Yeah. So I didn't do that well in my freshman year on varsity because I was just I was adjusting. I didn't really know myself as a player. And then when I went back down to the 14 and under team that summer, I was just killing. I was so confident. Everyone seemed so small and young because I was used to playing against seniors and stuff that were when you're 14, 18 is a big difference, especially as a person. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Bachamel had a huge impact on me because he would, he was the first one who was like, no, you need to play 17 and under. So, he took me to his 17 and under tournaments, and I started playing well there, too. And I had a lot more confidence because I had built it back up from playing 14U. Yeah. And he would do things for me that no other coach ever did. I mean, this guy, he was, I mean, for me, it's crazy. He won a national championship at UConn with Ray Allen and Rip Hamilton, and he would allow me to come to Hooperstown at 5 a.m. and work out for free before his first paid client at 6 a.m. Yeah. And my mom and my mom would drive me there to work out with him for free. He he told me straight up. He was like, "If you want to work out with me, you you can. I'll work you out for free, but you have to be here at 5 a.m." So my mom would take me, and that was when I was like 14, 15, 16. And so I would say him by far. He was he's the man. Yeah. Uh, he's actually coaching with Calhoun now at a at a, at a smaller college in, in a deep Connecticut. It's funny. That's pretty crazy. I mean, I it makes sense though because one theme I want to talk about with a lot of the people I interview is what brings you to instances of your life. And when you get a guy like that, like a guy who like you said won a national championship, I'm sure that your willingness to get better, your willingness to want to train with him no matter what time probably drew him to you a little bit. I don't think it was a coincidence that that relationship that you had with him panned out the way it did. But pivoting to like a funnier topic, did you ever have just like name your absolute worst coach? Like who is the guy who is like, this motherfucker does not know basketball. <laughs> I might know who it is. Maybe I don't. Give me the lowdown. I think in college, I always respected and like had fun playing for Coach Green. Yep. But outside of him, his staff was very uh, interesting. If he said, yeah, uh, we had an guard who like every time we he would drive us to a game, we thought we were gonna die because he would hit somebody. He was just the worst, the worst driver. Just dozing um, on the road. And it, and just it was just interesting because he wouldn't say anything during practice and. You know, he'd just kind of stand there under the basket and get rebounds. Which was, like, um, crazy to me because he probably had so much, like, of a wealth of knowledge. Not that Coach Green or any of those other guys did. I know. Did, That's, yeah, but he played I felt for like Calipari. He played for Calipari. Like, man, he, he's got – I know he's got some stories <laughs> at the very least. But, yeah, I, I can agree. I know that that staff uh, definitely uh, served us in many different ways. But let's just talk about, like, a little bit what's going on with you now you were telling me before we started taping that you got some new stuff in the works like 
fill me in, uh, fill us in more on on that. Well, what happened over the past couple of weeks was I basically uh, left my job at True Lux in Miami, and now I'm working at a restaurant on the beach here in Deerfield Beach. So I'm transitioning from that, and I'm getting my own apartment here in Pompano Beach, which is right next to Deerfield Beach. It's like North Broward County, right below like Boca Raton, that kind of area. Yeah. So I'm kind of just relocating, restructuring. Um, I, I mean, some of the things I'm, I've been really into in my personal life as far as just, you know, trying to make moves has been learning about investing, yeah. um, things like that. I've already made some pretty decent investments, and I'm big on, like, the compound interest, dividend kind of way to, to make money over the long run. I also might start a uh, FedEx fleet, basically – FedEx contracts through outside sources to run their fleets. So they just own the, you own the trucks, but they own the FedEx name. So they give you the, the orders and stuff. So I'm just looking at stuff like that. Just ways to, to kind of create long-term income, long-term wealth and things like that. Yeah. Still playing around with the barbell occasionally that you got cooped up there. Yeah. Yeah. I still have that. I'm uh, it's funny because I really do want to uh, try and get back on, Instagram as far as just keeping it fitness focused yeah and just maybe even create a separate account just for that yeah let's let's um, talk about fitness a little bit because we obviously share that interest and we both have trained in some capacity or do some training what led you to liking fitness so much because I know that you had like a ton of injuries playing basketball growing up talk about those do those have any like significance as far as like why you chose fitness as like one of your outlets for, for stress and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I didn't really get too much into fitness as far as lifting or anything until after my first surgery, which is funny. I had my first, sp- it's called, they call it a sports hernia, but there's also like another name called athletic pubalgia. Um, it's just a whole bunch of junk going on in your, in your groin and your lower abdomen, basically. Not to get into detail, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, after my first surgery with that, I mean, that was a rough one. I actually still have scar tissue to this day that I work on, and I'm constantly, like, stretching and doing mobility and stuff. Right. Uh, but, I mean, when I first got that first surgery, I couldn't even – they wanted me to walk a mile starting the day after because that's the recovery. Like, they want you to break that scar tissue and not let it uh, get worse. Yeah. Um, and that kind of whole process really – jump-started my my love for fitness because I just wanted to get back in shape to play again but also aside from that failing off the basketball team was probably even more so of a reason for me to want to get in really good shape because how it panned out was I had the surgery right before my freshman season and then my freshman season in college I failed off the team the things I took most from it, obviously, were the first one was academics. I had to get my, my shit together in the classroom. But I also just remember thinking, like, a lot of the guys I played against, like, most of them were – I just couldn't keep up with them. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't in good enough shape to play defense for several minutes at a time in a college game at a college speed. And those were the biggest things that really got me just – going crazy because I had a whole year and a half before my next season because yeah. I, I did pretty poorly so I, it took me a while to work my way back up to a qualifying GPA but right. once I did I mean I was in probably the best shape of my life at that point hell yeah 
we did a ton of stuff. For those of you who don't know, uh, maybe you guys who follow us on Instagram remember we used to run a fitness page where we would just go and work out, you know, at any time of day, usually any time of week, sometimes during the college semester. And that, that stuff was fun because not only did I get to like just do some intense ass workout with somebody who also enjoys doing intense ass shit, but that was a point where I remember you were like super, super healthy. There was no real injuries at play. Do you feel like now just being more consistently focused on your fitness, do you feel like you're better off now or did you like pass a peak in your fitness that you're trying to get back to? Do you feel like, or do you feel like you're in really, really good shape right now? I definitely am not at my at not at where I want to be at. Yeah. Because I know last year, how it worked out was basically I had gotten in the best shape of my life right up until like junior year of college. And then I had my third surgery. Yeah. And after that one, I played my senior year and I was just beat up. Like after that season, I remember just taking off like three months from even walking because I was just like, screw this. I just want to let my body heal. Yeah. But I mean, I really got in really good shape last year around i would say 2018 like up until the winter i was in crazy shape i mean i had ripped up i had like six percent body fat and i felt great i would have liked to have more mass looking back but i mean i felt great i was just in crazy shape and then i kind of just fell off with a whole whirlwind of things and i just stopped going to the gym for my new year's resolution in 2019 that was my new year's resolution was to quit the gym yeah. So, because I wanted to start getting outside more and really enjoying Florida for what it was. And I was also going through like a whole depression thing where I was just missing home and I wasn't sure what I was doing and I was questioning everything. And I just needed to like change up certain things real quick and, and just mix it up. Yeah. And then I kind of, I actually stayed out of the gym for like seven months until like September. And I finally got back and now I'm back. But, I'm definitely not where I was at a little over a year ago. That's where I want to get back to and then more. Yeah. I feel yeah. like a lot of us right now too, not just phys- with physical fitness, but in general are kind of like in work in progress mode, but you also got to be kind of happy like with where you are right now too. Like you can't ever be too down on yourself or ever be like too focused on the next goal. Sometimes enjoying where you're at is good too. Um, before we get more conversational, do you have any advice for like people who, um, you know, being that you're somebody who's like established a, a completely different scenario for yourself, do you have any advice for people who feel stuck and are maybe a little bit too focused on where to go next instead of where they are now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, first, I mean, if anyone is out there thinking about moving or relocating or changing things, I would say always go for it. Don't let other people be the reason why you don't make a choice that you know you want to make that was something that i had to come to terms with i was pretty comfortable with it some people it takes a little more for them to get comfortable with something like that and it takes them longer to come to terms with it i was pretty much okay with it i told my best friends and my family and that was it but that's one thing you just you gotta put yourself really far into first place and just second place even though it's second place you have to put it really far behind you for the time being at least and just focus on what you need what you have to do to create that i mean moving is no joke you definitely have to do more research than i did yeah and and have a little more money saved than i did but it's never gonna be easy the, the hardest thing for me was adapting to different cultures 
especially in a place like Miami, where Miami's, I mean, they joke about, it's like the, it's, it's like the Latin capital. It's like the capital of Latin America. Yeah. Literally. And everyone, you know, that's just the running joke because it's, the culture is just all Hispanic. I mean, South America, uh, Central America, Mexico, it's all these major Latin American countries took over Miami. They basically built this, they did literally build the city. Yeah. So culturally, it was very different for me. So definitely look into culturally where you're going to be stepping to if you decide that you want to move somewhere. Understand that it's going to be very different. For me, I never got used, never really got used to the fact that Spanish is basically the first language in Miami. Yeah. It's hard for a lot of people to believe that, but it really is. For me, like I'm saying, culturally, like that was probably one of the hardest things for me. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, I would say... Don't be afraid to make a move, especially if you know deep down that that's what you want to do and that's what's going to make you happy. Even if it doesn't wind up making you happy, you know in the moment that's what you want and you can't regret it. You can't overthink it. Just if you have the means and you and you have a way to do it, then do it. Right. That's what you want to do. Hell yeah. So. I want to transition into some more to like close it out, just like catching up stuff. Cause I feel like we're basically on a phone call, just like checking in. How are we doing? It's, it seems like pretty standard for right now, but what was your probably like craziest night since you moved down there in Miami? Cause it is, it's a party capital too. So, so talk about like some of your crazy like nights, if you can, maybe you don't, you don't have to pick the worst one, but I mean, there's, there's been a lot of the thing about Miami is that there's several I don't know the laws down here. I know in New York, like bars have to close at four and that's, that's like, that's it here. It's like, there's several places that are 24 seven or just 24 hours of certain days of the week. So I, I mean, the, the craziest nights by far were the ones where I was at like 11 until like eight or nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, which was, I mean, you come out and it's literally broad daylight and everyone's going to work and, yeah. and you're just, getting out of a nightclub and it's just uh that things like that are what makes miami miami um yeah. the fact that you can leave the bar at four four in the morning and go hang out on the beach is like you know things like that like super cool i mean having beach nights in the middle of february like yeah it's just it's just fucking awesome you know i love i love shit like that i love florida for things like that just the atmosphere and the way of life yeah have you ever had a place in Florida that, other than Miami, that if you were to move there, where would that be? Other than the Keys, because I know that's going to be your first answer. Well, I really do like it here where I'm moving now. Um, it's really quiet. It's just super chill, laid back. Outside of this, if I was not going to live in South Florida, I would totally live in St. Petersburg, which is on the other coast by Tampa. Yeah, I have an uncle over there who lives there, and I went there a few weeks ago and I loved it. I mean, beaches are beautiful. Yeah, There is like a nice downtown area and you have Tampa right there, but St. Pete also has its own little downtown area, yeah. which is super modern and nice. Um, and it's just a beautiful place to live. It is a lot slower though than, than the East Coast. And South Florida is, is a lot more up-tempo, a lot faster pace. So that would be something that I would have to think about. But outside of that, it's I would... I mean, I would totally live in the Keys, man. Hell yeah. I would totally live in the Keys for like a year, six months or a year, you know? Yeah, those sunsets are crazy. And I actually met some people here while I was in Colorado who are from the Keys. This dude, and he was a flight attendant, and some of his friends 
came out there and they showed me some crazy pictures i mean we we saw obviously the sunsets and like the fish in the water but they showed me some pictures of some crocs out there like the exposure to wildlife down there is just something that's so cool i can say the same thing about colorado i don't know if i'd ever move here but just being around that type of wilderness is something i think that like sets those states apart real quick as we kind of wrap up here any last thoughts on what's going to come up with this NBA season? Who's going to win at Disney World? I would love to go to a game, but I don't know if I am. I don't know if they're going to allow fans either. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. They're just going to be watching their own games. Like they can cut, they, the, the players can watch the other games, but I don't know. I think they're just closing it off, but yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's, I mean, at this point, I think the only team who could ever have a chance at coming back and winning would, it would just be either LeBron or Giannis. Yeah, would be my two bets because judging off of who I feel like has been working this whole quarantine and probably had their team working just as hard as one of their their teams. I could see it. I mean, LeBron's got a pretty interesting cast to work with, but he's definitely done crazier stuff. So I don't see how you could count either of those guys out for sure. And you know he's not slacking. Like he might have gone away for a week or something, but he's definitely been working out. And right. so is AD. Yep. So yep. you know those guys don't don't play around. So you heard it here first. Lakers might take the bubble championship. Well, it's going to be interesting to see down the road all these people that argue about Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron. Yep. Yep. Is if he winds up winning this year, will they quote unquote count it? Yeah. As a ring, that's going to be like a big discussion topic. Point. Yeah. For so, sure. Dave, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This has been episode one of the Potentiation Podcast. Way more to come. Way more interesting people like Dave here. But thanks a lot for coming on, taking the time, about 45 minutes or so, to just chat and have a little fun. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and everyone out there. My man creates a page and everything. Go like, go subscribe. Appreciate and, that. Uh, love to be back sometime. Hell yeah. Thanks, bro. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Potentiation Podcast. Beats, as always, are provided by the one, the only Jake Vicious. That's Jake, V-I-C-I-O-U, dollar sign. My homie from Long Island, New York, who produces the sickest beats. Next up and coming rapper as well. Go check him out on Instagram, Twitter whatever other social media platform you have itunes any streaming service you have available he's on there thank you jake vicious for the beats